turn today to the Lord, who is the Spirit. Not to Moses, to the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to give you Jesus. The Spirit of God wants to give you His glory. The Spirit of God wants you to look at Him. That's how you change. Rip off the veil. Know His love. Know His peace. Know His grace. Know His mercy. The more love that you have of His in your life, the more loving you are going to be. The more mercy that you know from Him, the more merciful you are going to be to other people. The more peace that, that you know Christ has established for you in heaven itself, the more peace you are going to establish here on earth. That's how you change. That's how you transfigure. It is not more laws. It is laws fulfilled. It is not new rules. It is the fact that Jesus kept the rules for you. It is not self-help. It is Christ's salvation. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinagan.com. Inauguration Sunday is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to us. He says, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now, in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made, very, were made dull. For to, the, to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is God's Word. I get it, y'all. There's a lot in there. It's a lot to get your arms around there. I mean, first you got a story that maybe you don't know that well. 
Paul is picking up on it. You got this story about Moses. Remember how the Israelites, they bow down to the golden calf. They're about to get wiped off the planet. Moses comes, he takes the the tablets of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, he slams them down on the ground. They had destroyed their relationship with God. And then Moses intercedes, and then Moses mediates, and then Moses goes back up on the mountain. He gets two new stone tablets, ten new commandments, and they are back in a relationship with God again. What kind of prophet is this? He's so glorious. So glorious that when he would go and he would talk with God, that God would get so close to him that the glory would start to rub off, so to speak. He'd walk out and rays would be shining on his face. It's hard to get our arms around that story. But then it's maybe even harder to get our arms around what Paul does with the story. What he does is he compares and contrasts Moses' ministry of the law to his ministry of the gospel. He says Moses' ministry was a ministry of death. My ministry is a ministry of life. His ministry was a veiled ministry, a hidden ministry, one behind the veil. My ministry is open and transparent and bold. So there's a lot here that makes it difficult for us to get our arms around what Paul is talking about today. So I want to make it real simple for you. Here's what this scripture is about. It's about transfiguration. It's about changing. It's about being like Moses, but better. Moses went into the presence of God, and when he came out, he was changed. His face was shining. But we go into the presence of God through Jesus, and we are changed more and more and more, and it never fades away. It's about transfiguration. And we're going to break this into three parts today. The first part is this. We're going to look at what transfiguration is. Secondly, we're going to look at who needs transfiguration. And thirdly, we're going to look at how it happens. What it is, who needs it, and how it happens. First, what is it? It is total transformation from the inside out. This is so different from what people think humanity needs. So many, many people believe that what what people need isn't transformation. What they need is information. They don't need a complete overhaul. What they need is education. I remember when I was a little boy, one of the main networks would have these commercials. And at the end of the commercial, it would say, the more you know. Because knowledge is power, and if humans just have enough information, then we will do the right thing. Which theory, by now, should be completely laid to rest by the internet. 
we have more information than we know what to do with these days, and have we changed at all? No. People use the information to distort, manipulate, and misunderstand the world. Information hasn't changed us. We've just gotten worse. <laughs> we don't need information. We need transformation. We don't need partial work done. We need an overhaul. We don't need God to offer us a little bit of help. We need to become totally brand new people. There's a line from a poet who looked at the transfiguration of Jesus and the poet wrote that the love that dances at the heart of all things shone out of the face of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? The love that dances at the center of all things shone out of the face of Jesus. What happened in Christ's transfiguration? We finally caught a glimpse of who he really is. Who he is on the inside shone out on his outside. Who he has been, begotten of the Father from all eternity, now incarnate as true man, is revealed to all of us. The love that dances at the center of everything shone out from the heart, from the heart of Jesus, in the face of Jesus. What is transfiguration? It is changing to be like Christ. It is becoming like him from the inside out so that the, so that the love that dances at the heart of everything shines out from you. I had a conversation with a man who was dying once. I asked him, what can I pray for, for you? He said, Pastor, pray this. Pray that I will become what God has created me to be from all eternity. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about you becoming like Christ. We're talking about you undergoing Christification. One writer put it like this, we are Christ's with and without the apostrophe. We are Christ's in the sense that we belong to him, and we are Christ's in the sense that we are always meant to go out into the world and be Christ to people. We are to undergo Christification from the inside out so that the love that beats at the center of all things beats inside of us. This is transfiguration. So let's talk about who needs it. I figure there are three groups of people who are listening to this sermon right now. I think there's a little piece of us that fits into all these categories. There are some people who are listening to this sermon who don't want 
transfiguration. Some people don't want it because they think they don't need it. They're smug. They're indifferent. They have no idea how bad they are. They have no idea how much love they lack. They're smug. They're indifferent. Other times, people don't want transfiguration because they think they, they like themselves the way they are. They are the exact opposite of the character Kramer in Seinfeld, who once, when he got a look at himself, said, don't look at me, I'm hideous. They are the kind of people who trot out their slogans. They say, love yourself. They say, you're beautiful, just the way you are. These are the kind of people who are proud of being fallen, who are proud of being a mess. Now, if smug people come to the church, they come to church, why? Not to be forgiven, but to prove to themselves just how good they really are. And if rebellious people come to church, they come to church and they get mad because they're being told that they've got to change. They're not okay the way they are. These are the people who don't want transfiguration. Then there's a second group of people who think that they are already transfigured. These are what I like to call the self-helpers. These are the kind of people who, when you, you know, when you get into a conversation with them, they will tell you about how many changes they've made in their lives, how awesome their willpower is, and these are the principles, these are the rules that they have followed to make themselves better people. They like to think of themselves as Christians, but they're actually not speaking out a Christian faith, because if they were, they would be peddling Christ to people. But what, in fact, they are peddling is, in fact, what I call try harderism. These are people who don't realize that they haven't changed at all. In fact, their heart has stayed the same. The only thing that they've done is they have swapped spots for stripes. They have gone from one set of behaviors to a new set of behaviors. They have gone from their vices, not to Christ, but to a new vice, their virtues. These are the people who think that they are already transfigured. And then there's the last group of people. These are the people who don't think they can be transfigured. They're not proud. They're in despair. They're not smug. They get it. These are the true Kramers of the world. The people who say, don't look at me, I'm hideous. And they mean it. They don't want God to look at them and they don't want other people to look at them because they, they think that they can never be accepted. They can never be loved if somebody knew or if God knew exactly who they are, which he does. They have self-understanding. They understand God's authority over their lives. But they're in despair. They have this sense, they have this conviction that their sin is more powerful than God's redeeming love. 
So these are the people who don't think that they can be transfigured. Hopefully I've shown you that in various ways these people are us. So how does transfiguration happen? Well, it happens like this. First, stuff has to die. Pride has to die. Arrogance has to die. Smugness has to die. Indifference has to die. Even despair has to die. And that's what Moses does. Moses kills. Don't get me wrong, Moses is glorious. We've already said that. Moses and his Ten Commandments are glorious. They are good. They are right. They are just. Moses is glorious. I'm affirming that for you. In fact, you know what I say sometimes? I ask people, what would the world be like if everybody kept the Ten Commandments? It'd be beautiful. Everybody would have what they need. Everybody would flourish. Everybody would love everybody else. Moses is glorious. Moses is good. Moses is right. But Moses kills us all. Why? Moses will be your friend. And Moses will guide you. And Moses will guard you. And Moses will keep you as long as you keep his laws. But then the second you break his rules, he will break you. No law of God will ever pardon you. No law of God will ever give you grace. No law of God will ever allow you to plead down. It will come into your life. It will judge you. And then it will execute you. And if you don't believe me, try it sometime. Go up to the ninth commandment sometime. Say, oh, ninth commandment, will you please have mercy on me? I have been desiring too many things in my life that I actually don't need at all. Will you have mercy on me because I've been pretty good with the rest of the laws? You know what the ninth commandment is going to say to you? It's going to say, you want mercy, you insolent sinner. I'm not going to give you any mercy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to report you. I'm going to report you to the first commandment and the fifth commandment. I'm going to report you to the first commandment because you are so insolent and you so lack fear of God that you think you can ask for mercy right now. And I'm going to report you to the fifth commandment because you've spent so much of your time spending money on yourself when you should have been giving it to the poor. You want mercy? I'm going to give you wrath. God's laws will not negotiate with you. They will not plead you down. What they will do in your life is they will judge you, execute you, and then hang you forever.
Maybe you can tell that I'm trying to emphasize that just a little bit. I'm doing that because of what Paul teaches us here. So many people live with a veil over their eyes. They don't get it. They can't see what Moses actually does in their lives. They don't understand. So I'm trying to rip the veil away so everybody in here gets it. If you're a, if you're a proud person, and you think that you can live your life however you want, you know what you need? You need Moses. You need Moses to come in and say, you think you can live however you want? You think that you can take on God? Let me tell you the stories. Let me tell you the stories about people who take on God. You know what happens? They get put down every single time. For smug people, for indifferent people, you've you got to take Moses into your life. You've got to see what he tells you about yourself. You lack love. You're not there yet for self-helpers. For people who think that they have already transfigured. You need Moses. You need Moses to come in like, like a searchlight. Like a scalpel in your life. So it goes through your motives. And you see all you have done in your life. You haven't, you haven't gone from vice to virtue. You've gone to vice to a new vice. Which is your virtues. You haven't changed at all. Because what you do you're not doing for Jesus. Moses kills you. Why does he kill you? Because we can never change ourselves. There's a book called Voyage of the Dawn Treader where there's this boy named Eustace. He turns into a dragon. He's a sinner. And he doesn't want to be a dragon. He hates being a dragon. So he takes his dragon claws and he tries to rip off his dragon. He wants to do it himself. He rips off the scales. He jumps into this pool of water. He tries to, to, to wash the dragon scales away. But every single time, before he washes the scales that he's ripped off away, there are new scales in their place. He can't change himself. Moses kills us every single time. I remember many years ago now, I sat with a young mom. For the first while, I couldn't understand why she was there to see me. I thought she wanted pastoral counseling, but she kept defending herself. She kept talking about how she was raising her kids and all the things she had done and I'm thinking to myself, does she want pastoral counsel? Why is she here? And then the light bulb finally went on. She wanted me to tell her she was a good person, that she was a good mom. So I asked her instead, do you think you're a good mom? She never answered the question. She just cried. Moses kills us all. We can never measure up. I'm not trying to beg on Moses right now. He, he helps us. We need him. Imagine if we never had Moses. 
We'd never be revealed, convicted, or killed the way we need to be. The person who hasn't been revealed to themselves is going to remain self-deceived. The person who hasn't been convicted in themselves is never going to seek exoneration in Jesus. The person who hasn't been killed is never going to seek the resurrection of Jesus. Moses is important. When we rip the veil away, then we turn to the Lord. And what do we see? On the Mount of Transfiguration, we saw him shine. There on the Mount, the love that dances at the center of everything shone out from him. He was there with Moses. And he was brighter than Moses. Not just because he was Moses' God, although he is Moses' God, but also because he was standing there to fulfill all of Moses. What did they talk about? They talked about the exodus, the departure, the fulfillment of all the things that was going to happen in Jerusalem. Why was Jesus going there? God has demanded from us perfection. So he came to be perfect for us. God has demanded our holiness, so he came to be holy for us. He was going to Jerusalem to fulfill all of Moses, all of the pigeons and the goats and the bulls and the lambs and the goats. He would be all wrapped up into one great sacrifice. He would be tried convicted, condemned, and killed. Why? So that what is revealed in us might be covered by his blood. So that what is condemned about us might be condemned in him. So that what is killed in him, all of our sins, all of our judgment, we might be raised to new life and righteousness and forgiveness that mom. Moses had killed her. So I simply said to her, Jesus forgives you. And that's all she needed. All of a sudden, her inner lawyer stopped. All of a sudden, her tears got quiet. All of a sudden, her spirit knew peace. She was staring at Jesus. She was contemplating his glory. And right there in front of my eyes, she was transfigured from the inside out. So here are three takeaways 
for you today. The first one is this. Be very careful about what ministries you consume. Many, many ministries are only new Moseses. You will hear PowerPoint sermons about how to fix your relationships, how to heal from trauma. If it was happening back then, and it was, there were these super apostles who were fresh-faced and glorious, and they were saying, you shouldn't listen to the Apostle Paul. The guy can't change your life. All he, does is, all he ever does is talk about Jesus. If it was happening back then, it's certainly happening today. Be careful of what ministries you consume. But secondly, practice the art. And it is the art of law and gospel in your own heart. Moses and Jesus, sin and grace, law and gospel. When you are proud, listen to Moses. When you are smug, listen to Moses. When you are in despair, when you feel your sin, never Listen to Moses. You look at Jesus. That's how you do spiritual life. You kill what needs to be killed with Moses. And then you look at Jesus and you let him transfigure you from the inside out. And that brings me to my last one. Turn today to the Lord who is the Spirit not to Moses, to the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to give you Jesus. The Spirit of God wants to give you His glory. The Spirit of God wants you to look at Him. That's how you change. Rip off the veil. Know His love. Know His peace. Know His grace. Know His mercy. The more love that you have of His in your life, the more loving you are going to be. The more mercy that you know from Him, the more merciful you are going to be to other people. The more peace that, that you know Christ has established for you in heaven itself, the more peace you are going to establish here on earth. That's how you change. That's that's how you transfigure. It is not more laws. It is laws fulfilled. It is not new rules. It is the fact that Jesus kept the rules for you. It is not self-help. It is Christ's salvation. In the book, The, Do the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Eustace figures out that he can't change himself. A lion comes up to him named Aslan. And Aslan says here, let me do it. He takes his claws. Eustace says it felt like he ripped him all the way down to his heart. And then the lion tells him to get into a pool, wash off all the dragon. 
Eustace comes out. All the dragon is gone. He's been transfigured into a boy. Look at Jesus. Look at him. He has placed with his lion's paw the truth of the gospel in your heart. He has washed you of your dragon and he has made you new in your baptism. Look at yourself. Transfigured. The love that dances at the heart of all of reality is now dancing in you too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, today as we contemplate you, your glory, we realize that your glory is your cross, which redeems us and forgives us and renews us. We pray, Lord, that as we stare at you, that your spirit might move in us and minister to us and give us your gospel more and more that we might be transfigured into who you have destined us to be just like you from all eternity. Amen.